<laughs> Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all you guys being here. Love to be at Challenge. Love to be in Chico. And uh, thanks to the band. Thanks to David for the invitation. David, I don't know where you went. I love the mustache. It is so cool. I really am jealous. It's a great look you got going on. What a great drummer. I was enjoying that. I don't know who he is. It's you. That was awesome. Uh, this is just what you call free association, folks. Uh, I do have a confession. I stole this mug. So, David, uh, I may owe you, but I... I have coffee. I went at the last minute to get some coffee, and the only place it was open was McDonald's. And uh, I, was, I didn't want you to just sit and silently judge me. And so I thought I would switch out the mug. The Bible says don't give any, anybody a cause to stumble. I didn't want anybody to stumble with my choice of coffee. For whatever reason, bad corporate governance, environmental regulations, whatever. Uh, but anyway, pick yourself up one of these challenge mugs there in the back. Well, listen, I am happy to be here, and I want to just start by saying that uh, some of you have heard me say this, but maybe not. Um, I was saved when I went to college. I went to a public university very much like yours, in a college town very much like yours. God changed my life in college. The blood of Christ really does wash us clean. Uh, the righteousness of Christ really does change us and cover us and declare us innocent. And I just want to start by saying, no matter what you've come through, no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ can forgive you, he can change you, he can redefine you. And I just want you to know that I love you, I'm not here to impress you, I'm here to bless you with God's word. And um, so let me pray for us, and then we're going to study uh, identity, who we are and who we can become. <clears throat> so let me pray for us. Lord, we just quiet ourselves before you, your word says, be still and know that I am God. Lord, we just declare your goodness. We confess our sinfulness. We confess our waywardness. We confess that we are prone to wander. Lord, I just pray for each person here that's discouraged, that's down. Pray, Lord, that you would lift their hearts, encourage their souls in ways that I can't, but you can. Lord, I'm just so confident that you love each person here tonight. I pray that you would communicate that love somehow, God, supernaturally through me tonight so that they would leave tonight feeling, feeling your presence, feeling your love, feeling your declaration of forgiveness in Christ over them. Life is hard, Lord, but you are good. I pray that you would give them eyes to see your beauty and the beauty of your creation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about identity. And identity is the thing about you that is most central to your understanding of yourself. That's what identity is. It's the thing about you that is most central to your understanding of yourself. It's the thing about you that doesn't change when everything else changes. It's, it's the thing about you um, that makes you do what you do and keeps you from doing other things. When choices come before you, they are filtered through your identity. You don't steal because you don't consider yourself to be a thief. You don't cheat because you don't consider yourself to be a cheater. So identity, the thing about you that is most central to your understanding of yourself, number one. Number two, the Bible says that there's a character, a, a spiritual being, an angel that has fallen away from God's presence, sinned against God, unredeemable enemy forever of God called Satan. And the Bible says that Satan is a thief. And, and he's a thief in a lot of ways. He, he wants to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. 
The Bible calls him the father of lies. And one of the things that Satan wants to steal is your identity. He's an identity theft. Satan wants you to think wrong things about the world and wrong things about yourself. There's a verse in the Bible. I would encourage you to jot this down and memorize it. Colossians 2.8 says, um, Beware that you are not taken captive by empty philosophy. I teach philosophy. I have a PhD in philosophy. I think that philosophy is great. I think that philosophy is dangerous. And something can be both great and dangerous. El Cap at Yosemite is great and dangerous. It's beautiful, but be careful. And so philosophy is dangerous because, because you, have a, you live in a culture that's been taken captive and one of the ways that it's been taken captive, orchestrated, if you will, by this lie of Satan about identity is, is about understanding that dignity, human dignity, is about grades or accolades or physical appearance rather than what really defines you, which is your relationship with God. So you live in a culture that thinks that identity is discovered or chosen, but identity is actually God's declaration over you. So in Genesis, God's declaration over humanity is imago Dei. That's just a fancy word that means image bearer. You are an image bearer of the eternal God of the universe. So every human being on earth, regardless of whether they believe in God or not, is an image bearer of God. And Satan wants to steal that. He wants to convince us that we're not image bearers of God, that we don't have souls, that we have no origin, that we have no purpose, that life has no meaning. He's an identity thief. And so God reveals who we are. We're image bearers. And if you will decide to put your faith in Christ, then God declares over you that you're not just an image bearer, which is great, but you are actually a child of God, a child of the most high God. In Christ, you actually receive all the benefits of Christ through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We're coming up on October 31st, which is Halloween. I love Halloween. When else can you walk up to random people's homes and get candy? It is wonderful. But it is also date, the date of the Reformation. And the Reformation celebrated five what are called solas. And one of the solas of the Reformation is faith alone. We are not saved by faith and works. We're saved by faith alone. So in this life, Satan wants to lie to us and he wants to invoke in us an identity crisis. Have you guys heard of that term, identity crisis? I read on CNN about a woman. This is in the news right now. A woman woke up on an island in the Mediterranean and she didn't know who she was and she didn't know where she was from and she didn't know what she was doing on the island. And, and I know that identity crisis is different than amnesia, but in both cases, in an identity crisis, you lose sight of who you are, where you're from, why you exist, and what you're on earth for. So tonight, in the story of Elijah, I want to give you ammunition to battle the lies of Satan, the attempts of the evil one to steal your identity, and help you to know what it means to be in an identity crisis. How do you get in, and how do you get out? Because if you're not here tonight in an identity crisis, wrestling with thinking, who am I really? Do those things I did in high school define me? They don't if you're in Christ. And if you're here tonight just roped in guilt and shame, Christ is a means out of that. He's a means of forgiveness. He's the only means of forgiveness. Think of an identity crisis like quicksand. I don't even know if this is true, but in the books you read as a kid, 
When you're in quicksand, think like the Princess Bride, right? Pit of despair. Yeah, okay, you're awake, good. In quicksand, the more you struggle, the more you sink. And you live in a culture where people are struggling to find identity. So they go to a store and they buy clothes and they think that's their identity. Or they create an online persona, they think that's their identity. Or they get in shape and they think that's their identity. Or they get out of shape and they think that's their identity. And God is saying, your identity is image bearer just by virtue of being a human and child of the most high God, forgiven, redeemed, cleansed by the blood of the lamb by virtue of your faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we learn this in the story of Elijah. So Elijah is a prophet of God, which means that he is chosen to speak specifically on behalf of God. I'm not a prophet, by the way. I don't, I don't have anything to tell you that is not already recorded in scripture. And I don't think anybody else does either, by the way. So I think I would encourage you to be a young person who grounds your life, anchors your life in the unchanging, eternal, settled in the heavens, word of God. This is how God speaks. And so Elijah is a prophet. And through him, we have parts of the Bible. And, and Elijah's basic message is, is God is real and you should follow him. And all the idols are just trash and rubbish and a waste of a life. Focus on God, live for God, let God define who you are, why you're here and what life is for. But what we find in 1 Kings 18 and 19 is that Elijah kind of has an identity crisis and this happens in some interesting ways. So I want to encourage you to open up your, your study guide or your notes sheet. I'm not sure what do we call this, bulletin, program, whatever it is, grab it. These are the things that I'm going to cover in the little time that I have tonight. So the story of Elijah starts with, um, with kind of a spiritual high and then a spiritual low. And the first thing I want you to understand is that an identity crisis can come when you least expect it. So the, the spiritual high is Elijah is, is sort of doing battle against an evil king named Ahab and in his evil wife queen um, named Jezebel. And they hate Elijah because Elijah doesn't tell them what they want to hear. Elijah tells them what God has said. And there is no quicker way to be hated and unpopular by telling people what God has said rather than what they want to hear. That will never make you popular, but it will make you faithful. Just depends on what you're after in life. So Elijah chooses faithful over popular. The king hates him. The queen hates him. And so he issues sort of an ultimatum. You know what an ultimatum is? It's like a line in the sand. And he says, we're going to gather at Mount Carmel and you gather all the prophets of Baal and I'm going to be the one prophet of Yahweh, the true and living God. And we're going to set up altars and I'll call out to Yahweh from heaven and you call out to Baal from heaven and whichever God delivers fire from heaven to, to consume what's on the altar, that will be the true and living God deal. And they go, deal. And this isn't fiction. These are real places, real people. This isn't like Frodo and Morador. These are historical events. So they gather on Mount Carmel and, and Elijah says, you guys go first. So they're dancing, they're crying out and they cut themselves and Elijah starts to trash talk. Elijah starts to say, um, maybe your God's on the toilet. Why don't you cry out a little louder? Maybe he's relieving himself. He might've walked away from the throne uh, to another throne, I guess, is what Elijah is saying. 
Um, so why don't you cry out a little louder? He's mocking them because the only response to idolatry is laughter and mockery. The Bible says in Psalm 13, 1, the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. And so when they're done cutting themselves and screaming and their voices are hoarse from screaming, Elijah says, you guys done? And they go, yeah, 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 we're done. He says, all right. He goes, Yahweh, show off. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar. And God's people round up the prophets of Baal and slaughter them in justice because they've defiled the true and living God. That was the law of the land. And so Elijah I mean, can you imagine a more high, high than that? Like you guys are going to the mountains next week. Those are some spiritual high moments, but nothing on what Elijah went through. And so as soon as he goes through the spiritual high, that's 1 Kings 18. At the beginning of 1 Kings 19, it says he runs into the wilderness and he hides under a tree and he says, God, take my life because I'm no better than the worst of my father's. And what I want you to understand is an identity crisis can come when you least expect it. You might leave here tonight just feeling the presence of the Lord, hallelujah. And then you go back to your dorm room and you're there in the dark thinking about life, thinking about ways that you've failed, thinking about sins that you struggle with. And you can go into a really dark place because God didn't create you to focus on yourself. He created you to focus on him and one of the things I want you to understand is that humility is not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking about yourself less. That's a C.S. Lewis quote. Don't quote me. That's C.S. Lewis. I wish I would have written that, but I didn't. So you'd like to think that an identity crisis is like, is like theft in like a city. Have you guys ever gone on vacation like to Europe or something or someplace cool in America? And you know that there are like pickpockets. So you put your like purse up front and you guard it. Or you put your wallet like in this, you know, this strategic place that no one can steal because you're on guard. I want you to know you've got to be on guard every day of your life against identity crisis and identity theft because Satan wants to rob you of the joy of knowing that by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven and redeemed and you belong to the king forever and ever and ever, and nothing can ever change that. And an identity crisis will come and you least expect it. Number two, an identity crisis often causes you to distance yourself from people you know the, who know you the best. So when Elijah runs into the wilderness, so God had given Elijah a servant, and the job of the servant was to sort of stand by the prophet. Okay, and, um, and, and Elijah's servant is a gift to him. Let me tell you something. God has given you Christian friends and they are a gift to you. And when you start to believe the lies of the world, when you start to define yourself by things that are other than Jesus and his redeeming love for you and God's covenant faithfulness, one of the things that will happen, here's a telltale sign that you're going through a crisis of identity or a crisis of faith. You will start to distance yourself from the people that know you and love you and are able to tell you the truth. And you will start to run back to old ways and also old patterns of friendship. And I'm not saying don't have non-believing friends, but you know what I mean. And let me just encourage you, if you know somebody that they've stopped coming and they've sort of disappeared, you can almost guess that their life isn't where it needs to be. And I just want to encourage you, reach out to them and say, listen, no judgment. I love you. God loves you. Uh, when you're ready to talk, I'm here, but I just want you to know that we miss you. We've noticed that you're gone. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I care about you, and I'm a little worried, to be quite honest. That's a loving thing to do. So what happens in a crisis of identity is you self-isolate 
and then you complain that you're alone, but you're alone because you're the one that's distanced yourself from the people God has put in your life to keep you accountable. So you guys got to guard each other. You got to look out for each other. You've got to be shepherds unto each other and sort of remind each other of what is true. An identity crisis causes you to distance yourself from people who know you the best. Number three, an identity crisis makes us despair of life. In, 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 um, in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, Elijah says, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Can you imagine praying to God to kill you? Now listen, if you, if you are contemplating or have thought of suicide, talk to somebody tonight, call somebody, get help. But Elijah knew that even though he wanted to die, his life was not his to take. Because the unjust taking of any life is murder, whether it's you or somebody else. So Elijah runs into the desert. He runs away from his servant, sort of symbolically running away from his calling, running away from God. He hides under a tree and he prays, God, just take my life because I'm no good. An identity crisis makes us despair of life. Listen, if you find yourself despairing of life, you've probably stopped preaching the gospel to yourself. Can I give you a little advice? After a few years of walking with the Lord, I've been walking with the Lord since I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, definitely 18 years old. I'm not exactly sure when exactly I was saved. Maybe that's bad, but that's my story. Preach to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And we tend to think of that in regards to other people, but that applies to you too. You know, if you're the person that you're meanest to, looking in the mirror and just down on yourself, man, just speak the truth in love. I'm not sitting here telling you to puff yourself up. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And if you love the Lord, you build up others. And also you remind yourself of things that are true. Listen, I might've screwed up, but Jesus forgives. I might've been a, a total mess up last weekend, but God changes people and I can follow him this weekend. And, and, and I might've walked away last year, but I'm not gonna walk away this year. God has given me the power of self-control by the Holy Spirit. So you gotta preach to yourself way more than you listen to yourself. An identity crisis makes us despair of life. Number four, an identity crisis has spiritual and physical aspects. So what happens is he hides under what's called a broom tree and the Lord himself ministers to Elijah. The Lord himself, big fancy word, theophany. It means a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Jesus, before he appeared on earth as, as Jesus, before he's incarnate, exists eternally as the second person of the Trinity. The Trinity is, there is one God eternally existing in three persons. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. And before he became a human in the incarnation, Jesus from time to time appeared to people. He appeared to Gideon, he appeared to Abraham, and he appears to Elijah. And he shows up to Elijah and he does something that's interesting. He shows up and says, Elijah, let me make you something to eat. Elijah, why don't you get some rest? Elijah, why don't I give you some water? So there's a couple things that are interesting about this. Number one, Jesus will minister to you. The Bible says in James 4, draw near to me, God says, and I will draw near to you. In our crisis of identity, we draw near to the wrong things and the wrong people. And listen, if you're despairing tonight, don't leave here and draw near to something that's just gonna leave you feeling regret, remorse, and shame. Don't do it. Draw near to God. And God will minister to you. But listen, a crisis of identity, a crisis of faith has spiritual and physical components. Listen, sometimes you need to eat. 
Sometimes you need to rest. Sometimes you need to cancel something and say, you know what? I need to go home. I need to make a nice cup of tea or a nice cup of coffee. And I need to sit and read God's word and just replenish my soul and my body and rest. There's a reason why God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. He didn't need to rest, but you do. And if you don't rest spiritually in Christ and physically from time to time, you are going to be worn so thin you'll have nothing to wage war against the enemy's lies with. An identity crisis causes, has spiritual and physical aspects. Number five, an identity crisis takes time to heal and sometimes leaves a scar. So I'd like to tell you that Elijah goes into the wilderness, spiritual high, yay, spiritual low, boo. Leaves his messenger, runs into the desert, hides under a broom tree. God himself, the second person of the Trinity, appears in a pre-incarnate state, ministers the God of the universe, just like he does to you, to Elijah. And so God, God blesses Elijah. And, and the first thing he says to Elijah is, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then Elijah gets replenished, he gets a nap, he gets some food. And then Elijah, I'd like to say he gets it, he goes back, does what God's called him to do. No, no, no. He runs again in the opposite direction and God has to chase him down again. Listen, God will chase you down. He will not lose one of his elect. He will take every sheep into the kingdom. He will not lose you if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean keep running. The Bible says, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? No, by no means. Run to Jesus and he is running towards you. That's the message. So God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Because our job isn't to run away from God. It's to run towards God. It's, it's to draw near to his word. It's to draw near to his people. What are you doing here, Elijah? And listen, can I just encourage you to let that question sear into your mind now and for the rest of your life? What are you doing here? If you're at a party you shouldn't be at, what are you doing here? If you're somewhere worse, seedy, you shouldn't be, what are you doing here? You go home and you isolate because you're going to do something destructive. What are you doing here? It's not my voice. That's God's voice to Elijah. That's his word preserved in heaven for us. Loved one, what are you doing here? God goes after us in a crisis of identity. It takes time to heal and sometimes it leaves a scar. God came and he visited Elijah, um, but but it took a while and you might be here tonight and you might be sort of unknown to everyone else, kind of struggling against the people that are pursuing you, struggling against God's pursuing love. You know the spirit is convicting you and you're running and he's pursuing. And I just want to encourage you, stop running. Let him find you, yield your life to him. I promise you there is more joy in fellowship with God and anything that you're running away from him towards. I promise you. Those things, those idols are empty. There is no fire coming from heaven from the empty idols of the world. No voice, no salvation, no redemption. But in Christ, there are all of those things. Number six, an identity crisis gets better when we focus on God's word, not the noise of the world. So there's this great story in 1 Kings 19 where God comes to Elijah and he says, go out and stand before the mount of the Lord. So Elijah at this point is now hiding in a, in a cave. He's hidden under a tree and now he's hiding under a cave. And God's pursuing and he's pursuing because that's what God does. He pursues the sheep. He's a good shepherd. 
And when God comes to Elijah, he says, Elijah, go and stand at the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord, listen to this, was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the world, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. You see, you live among people and sadly Christians, we tend to be so obsessed about kind of exciting, phenomenological, kind of miraculous, kind of fancy showy stuff. But listen, I love you guys. Please hear what I'm about to say. This is where it's at. This is where God will whisper to you. This is the word of God preserved for you for generations. People gave their life, their blood, not metaphorically, literally, so that you could have a copy of God's word. And you don't have to sit and be like, God, speak to me. Listen, open the word, let it speak. God's, God's message to you is not in you trying to read the tea leaves or read the stars or look at the clouds. Is that a sign? Is that a fish? Is that a bird? Lord, what are you telling me? If you want to know what the Lord's will for your life is, listen to his voice in scripture. And so in an identity of, in a crisis of identity, it gets better when you focus on God's word and not the noise of the world. So listen, maybe what you need to do is just turn down the noise of the world. Take a break from social media. Maybe take a break for some people that you're just not strong enough to sort of stand for the Lord in, in their company and maybe in their, in their suggestions of some things. Maybe there's somebody you need to call tonight or text. I know you text, I get it. Text them or message them or whatever you do and say, I don't think I can hang out with you anymore because I need to follow the Lord. And for whatever reason, I'm just having a hard time doing that when I hang out with you. Sometimes you have to do that. Again, I'm not saying don't have non-Christian friends. I'm saying, how serious are you willing to be about your relationship with the Lord? You got to turn down the noise of the world. So let me give you some action steps. You can write these down. Number one, if you're here tonight and you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's step one. Step number one, listen, in a minute we're gonna sing and they're gonna be up here playing, right? I'm just saying this, I don't know if this is true. Thumbs up, we're gonna sing. And there are leaders that I'm sure would love to talk to you. And if you're here and you're just not sure and you're like, I don't know, but I want, I want this, I want this identity, I want the shame gone, I want forgiveness. I wanna to belong to this gracious, loving savior who will pursue me and define me. And I wanna turn down the noise of the world and I want real fire from heaven, real salvation, real relationship with God. Put your faith in Jesus. It's not works, it's not religion, it's relationship. Number two, let Jesus be your identity. His righteousness, his perfection, his death, his resurrection. Hide yourself in Jesus, be found in Jesus. And let others see him when they see you. It won't make you popular, but it will make you faithful. You've got to decide, uh, do I want to be popular or do I want to be faithful? Number three, make decisions that show other people what it, people what it looks like to love Jesus. Let me just challenge you, you Christians, those of you who gave your life to the Lord when you were young, you come from families where you were taught the truth. And let me just say, first of all, I so appreciate those of you who are here tonight and you've recently become a Christian and you've got a rough background and I also deeply appreciate those of you who came from Christian families where you were taught God's word from a young age. Listen, the world needs holy young people. 
Holiness is not a popular subject, but the world needs people your age who their Christianity is not a bumper sticker, it's not a slogan, it's not a tagline, it's not a cause, it's not something you donate to once a year. It is just daily taking up your cross, turning away from sin, following Jesus, because he died on the cross to wash you clean of sin forever and make you righteous. And so Satan wants to steal your identity. How do you guard it? Go to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Listen to his word. Turn down the noise of the world. Listen to the faithful whisper of God in the midst of the storms of life. I love you guys. Stay close to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Your word says, scarcely will a, scarcely will a man die for a good person but Jesus died for us when we were sinners, when we were your enemies, when we, when we were undeserving of your love, when we, were, when we were filthy, when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And so God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are made alive. I pray if there's anyone here that's not experienced that, I am not fancy. Lord, would you do your work in their heart right now and bring them to yourself? Just convince them of your love for them, God. Convince them that Jesus really does save Convince them that through faith alone, we are made righteous. Lord, I pray that you would give each young person here a, a passion for holiness. Lord, I pray that they would see through all of the lies of slick, marketed Christianity, and they would see to the heart of the gospel, your word says, be holy for I am holy. And it's only the holiness of Christ that enables us to walk in obedience. But God, would you give us a serious passion for obedience and for holiness? And Lord, I pray that people would see the, the, the earnestness of our faith and inquire about that and that we would be ready to share with them the hope of eternal life, the salvation of sinners, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.